WHYY and BillyPenn.com. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can join me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to do the Sunday edition here of the podcast a little bit differently. Uh, for those of you who uh, wanted to, I don't know why, look at us while we do a podcast, uh, we're going to be, uh, we put this one out on video for you all to uh uh, to watch the podcast if you if you prefer to do it that way. And so um, thank you for those of you who are, who are watching the podcast and for those of you who are listening through the Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever it is, you know, you listen to your podcast, you can get us there as well. But we're going to be experimenting with using a little bit of video here on the on the Sunday night or the Monday night edition of the podcast uh, that myself and Justin Clue and Liz Rocher do together. Uh, and so we are joined together to talk about some Phil's rumors and uh, a little bit of over-under on some pitching and uh, some other stuff that's been going on going down over the last couple of days since we last spoke. Uh, so let me introduce you to Justin Clue and Liz Rocher, of course. Uh, Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus, The Dirty Inning, absolutely hammered. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore, underscore Clue. Justin, what's up, buddy? I saw Awful Announcing had a story today about how the 49ers are claiming like this underdog status, even though they've actually been favored in every playoff game. <laughs> I love that story. And it just it reminded me uh. of like a lot of... That's MLB hilarious. teams in the postseason we just experienced last fall. And I just, why does every good team think it also has to be this like marketable team? And they all have the same marketing strategy, which is no one believed in us, but we did it anyway. Even when it's just yeah. so easily provable that that is not true. Not every team has to be the lovable underdog. What happened to the teams that were like, we're just a great team that killed everyone and went home. Like that team also gets to exist and frankly spent a lot of time in baseball, like winning in the nineties, you know, like what about the the Astros little heel turn when they were like, yeah, that's right. You hate us for the cheating, but you know, we're the bad guys now. And like, they just kind of lived off that persona. I I think when you got to force the underdog thing, it just, it completely takes away from, from the whole idea of an underdog. Yeah, I mean, I I I want to be the assassins. You kidding me? Like, I I don't want to be the I'm we're as a Philadelphian, right? You know, born and raised, all of us were were raised at some point in in Philadelphia, the the city, the surrounding area, whatever. We we just had that natural underdog mentality growing up in that city because of the massive inferiority complex we we all share together. And that's just that's just how it is between Washington and, and New York and and being in the middle there and being overlooked for 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 most of humanity. But I I'm tired of that. You know, let's that's one of the reasons I got kind of overly excited about the Eagles this year. I was like, oh my gosh, are we actually the assassins? Like, are we actually going to be the team everybody hates like the the dominant force that like you can hate us and you can you you can despise us as much as you want and it doesn't matter we're still just going to beat your brains and i've never experienced that level of domination i I would love for the phillies to get to that point you know over these next few years and just be like yeah you you think you can come at us but you you really can't do anything about us we have that hold over the braves the last couple of years but that's about it at the moment we've done the underdog underdog story in the postseason the last few times and everyone in america fell in love with the phillies last year i think I'm ready for just a nice, boring, completely loathed by everyone outside of Philadelphia playoff run where they just blast through everyone and win. And it's a very it makes for a very boring story, but a very, very satisfying one. Yeah, Liz, I think it would be great if when people thought about the Phillies, they thought, oh, these guys again, you know. Isn't that what we all really want? (laughs) We all want that. Like the Dodgers are so. Uh, elegantly stepping into their role as bad guy, evil, the new evil empire, you know, 
like Mookie Betts uh, had some comments recently about you know like it's gonna be every it's gonna be um, every team's World Series when they play us. I'm like, God, that's <laughs> such a good line. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such a good line. It is a good line. I hope they're ready for it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen plenty of teams I, in this position kind of falter and face Do you think, do you think they're ready for it? Of course they are. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah you got there. Shohei, you got Yamamoto. They're probably ready for it, but you know, that's fine. That's fine. It's a long season, you know. That's that's kind of a that's kind of a grueling thing. But of course, uh, by the way, Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Um, Liz, anything to 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 jump off with here on the start of the show? Uh, no, other than. Uh, as uh, longtime listeners remember, I'm jumping into my yearly commercial review, uh, Super Bowl commercial review for Yahoo Sports. Mm-hmm. So uh, a week from now, I will not be yep. here. If we're doing this podcast uh, on next Sunday, I won't be here. I'll be manning the commercials <laughs> yeah. desk <laughs> at Yahoo Sports, yeah. no, trying I, to. Uh, I think to, it's trying pretty... to tamp down the the real nasty edge to all of my reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are always great, by the way, and it is one of one of the best Liz features of the year, the Super Bowl commercials, and that's really what mo- more of the country cares about than the actual game. But it'll be Super Bowl Sunday. We'll all be doing Super Bowl stuff. We won't be recording on Sunday night. I can almost guarantee we'll know. be doing a Monday this night. It's a pretty recording. boring the- Super Bowl matchup. I think people might be on the lookout for a oh Phillies podcast yes. on Sunday night. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, here's the thing. I'm pushing back on that a little bit because I think if you're if you are a casual football fan, this is the Super Bowl matchup you wanted these are like the two these are the two best teams in the nfl it should be a great game i mean it it really should be these two teams are are really close i think it'll be as i mean and i'll be able to 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 hate watch the 49ers i mean i don't love the chiefs by any stretch but man as an eagles fan i just i want the 49ers to to eat it slowly and painfully and i don't care if patrick mahomes benefits from it i i just i need that like oxygen at this point so i i think it's i i would i would prefer to see the lions in there but if you know the 49ers chiefs it's gonna be it should be a great actual game john stop talking people out of listening to our podcast this is i feel like this is counterintuitive what I was that's probably to. why we lost the sports podcast group thing. I probably was not selling it very it well when we were doing that. So, it's guys, what are you listening to this for? There's a game on tonight. Come on, <laughs> my bad. I'll take uh, I'll take the L on that one. Um, well, let's get into the podcast here. And I don't know if this really counts as news, it's certainly a rumor. Uh, it's we're probably being used. But because it's early February and we have literally nothing else to talk about, we are absolutely going to talk about the Bob Nightingale rumor that came down on US, in USA Today on Sunday, stirring everyone's fantasies with this little nugget. He said several executives think the Philadelphia Phillies could be a sleeper for one of the remaining marquee free agents in starter Jordan Montgomery or center fielder Cody Bellinger. Now... Again, this is Bob Nightingale, so let's let's take that into consideration. And also, let's also take into consideration that folks were talking up the Phillies as being Blake Snell suitors a couple of months ago and Josh Hader suitors a couple of months ago. The Phillies are a big spending team. They haven't done a whole lot. These are Scott Boris clients. So it makes sense that it feels as though the Phillies are being used as leverage right now. Liz, on a scale of 1 to 100, 1 being no belief in this whatsoever— and 100 being absolute belief, how much do you believe this rumor to be true? There's no negative setting on this, is there? 
I mean, as, as much as I would love the uh, the Phillies yeah. to get them some, it's uh, an Cody informal. Bellinger. It's an informal thermometer. <laughs> yeah. As much as I'd love them to get Cody Bellinger, I'm not. I'm not quite seeing it. I'm not. I'm not seeing it in their future. This tweet is a masterpiece. I have to say, this is this tweet is a masterpiece <laughs> in meaningless off season treacle. Like this is just. I mean, every word leading up to the actual players' names is a tangled mess of qualifying nonsense. Like, it's not like the Phillies would need to get word through the press to these two guys that they were interested in them. So probably it's not that. So that immediately makes you think, boy, it sure seems a lot more likely this is somebody's agent looking for leverage or someone with an ulterior motive mentioning the Phillies. Because, again, they're so careful leading up to the Phillies. Let's just break this down. Several executives. What does this mean? This means there are people who wanted this information out there, but didn't want you to know who it was coming from. It could be two MLB executives. It could be one MLB executive and then the same MLB executive throwing his voice. It could be executives from other industries because Nightingale never says several MLB executives are saying this. It could be a player agent who claimed his nickname was several executives and then just gave the information to Bob Nightingale. So... That all, all off fair. the bat, I feel like that already calls this into question. Then we move on to the word could. Could. Could means this might be real, <laughs> might not. Might be true, might not. I qualified it with could, so you can't call me out. No matter what the uh, answer to that question is. Then be a sleeper. Say anything so I want. So best case scenario, the Phillies might be a team that is so fringy that their involvement in this wouldn't have even been noticed unless you were reading Twitter on a Sunday morning in January. So, yeah, I guess uh, to end by saying I actually think it's like a 5% chance because I do want to give them like the Castellanos factor, the you know the deal that no yeah. one saw coming and was super thrilling. I want to give them a non-zero chance that this is true. But in general... <laughs> Based on everything I just yeah. said, it's tough to take a rumor like this seriously, especially when, correct me if I'm wrong, there really hasn't been anything of a link between the Phillies and either of these guys that was considered serious up to this point. No, right. And and Dave Dombrowski, even a couple of months ago, flat out said, we don't really have any interest in any position players. He And he mentioned all the different guys that they have, and, and the, the Cody Bellinger thing just seemed to just wasn't going to happen anyway. Now, but again, And that was at the beginning of the offseason, when Cody Bellinger was likely asking for $200-plus million. It seems quite clear he's not getting a deal like that. So Scott Boris... And here's where I'll, I will say I agree 100% with both of you. I think the Phillies are absolutely being used, just like they were being used in the Blake Snell conversations, just like they're being used in the in the Josh Hader conversations. But let me throw some devil's advocate at you here. So Scott Boris, <laughs> you were obviously... Say eggs. Let me throw some deviled eggs at you here. <laughs> let me throw some deviled eggs at you. That's <laughs> something I always say. You're right. It's, common, it's a common phrase for, of, of mine. Um, so let's just, Scott Boris, uh, we know has a history with the Phillies and he, he and John Middleton are close, uh, as, as close as an owner and an agent can be obviously with the Bryce Harper connection and lots of other Scott Boris clients that have signed with Philadelphia. We know that Dave Dombrowski was interested in, in Yamamoto. And now that was a special case. 25 year old guy is a, ch- a chance of a lifetime to, to add a, a player like that. And they decided to go for it. 
And we know that Dave Dombrowski, in years past, has made big signings. And I get, you have to include Aaron Nola as a big signing this offseason. And I think we have to wonder, would this offseason feel differently if they hadn't re-signed Aaron Nola and signed Jordan Montgomery early in the offseason? We probably would think a little bit differently about it. But that's not what happened. And I am in favor of them going with Aaron Nola over Jordan Montgomery. But Dave Dombrowski typically makes a big move. And like you said, Nick Castellanos was done in early March last time, you know, a couple years ago before the 2022 season. So he has a history of if there's a guy who's kind of lingering on the vine and he's not getting the multi-year deal that he wants, Scott Boris looks to put those guys in short-term deals on contenders where they can build their value and hit the free agent market the next year. So, you know, maybe kind of like what he, I don't know if it was, I forget who Carlos Correa's agent was, whether it was Boris or somebody else, but Correa went to the twins with the idea he'd be there for, it was a three-year deal, but it was like for an opt-out after one year with the idea, like if this doesn't go well, you've got three years, but if it does, you're out of there in one year and you hit the market again. I can see a situation like that happening, right? Like if Cody Bellinger, if it's, you know, a couple weeks from now and he wants to get into spring training, like we're we're a couple weeks away from pitchers and catchers, players start to get a little nervous right about now. They want to know where they're going. They want to know where they're reporting. And so they're they're getting on their agent's cases like, hey, let's let's get something done here. Let's get a deal done. Find me where I'm going to be. And if at that point the the price has changed on these guys in terms of years and in terms of dollars, well, if you can get Cody Bellinger on a one-year deal, then you're not really blocking Johan Rojas for the future. You're giving him another year in AAA, essentially, to, to kind of work on his game or whatnot. If you can get Jordan Montgomery on a one- or a two-year deal, you're, you're not taking yourself out of a Zach Wheeler extension money kind of a situation there. So I think that's the, that's the context that, that we're looking at here if the Phillies are going to strike and if they're going to hop in on one of these two guys late. Have I convinced either of you that it's more possible given that scenario? Yeah, I think you expounded on what I just referred to as the Castellanos factor in a convincing way. Absolutely. I think um, I'll go up to 5.5. Yes, I got a half. Liz, how about you? I'll move it up to a, a a whole 1% just for you. Wow, that's, just for you. I should that's be a lawyer. That's positive, baby. That's, uh, I should be a lawyer. That's quite the I should, You know what? <laughs> if I do this every day, I'm going to get you guys up to like 7% before too long. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Let's just so let's suspend reality for just a minute and let's pretend that this is real for a second, okay? Who would you rather the Phillies pursue? Jordan Montgomery or Cody Bellinger. And there's a, you know, the the stats, these are both good. They had good seasons last year. Montgomery is probably a number two starter, number three starter, worth 4.3 wins above replacement last year. Had a really good postseason for the world champion Texas Rangers. Cody Bellinger had a huge bounce back season for Chicago last year. 4.1 wins above replacement, 26 homers, 307 batting average, stayed healthy the whole year. Only a 15.5% strikeout rate, so he doesn't strike out. And while he was in center field last year, he was worth negative three defensive runs saved in center field. In a corner outfield, he's most likely going to be a net positive for you defensively. So you put him out in left field, put him out in right field. He's, he's probably going to be a positive defensive player out there for you. Who would you rather see, Liz? Who would you rather see the Phillies? If, if, they are, if this is real, would you rather see who would help them more, Montgomery or Bellinger? I think I'll say Montgomery, actually. 
Like, I like Bellinger, and I wouldn't say no to him, but I'm just sort of thinking about their overall pitching depth. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've become a person now where I'm of the opinion that you can't have enough starters. I don't ever want to talk about the bullpen ever again, but I mean, you cannot have <laughs> enough starters. Yeah, Justin, what do you think? Bellinger is a fun guy to imagine meshing with these Phillies. I think he'd fit in with them really well and help them put together a better defensive outfield. And you're right, he had that resurgence last year. Uh, but he did it with a ton of soft contact. That made it the kind of success mm-hmm. that's difficult to replicate. And he hit the most fly balls and the fewest ground balls of anyone on the Cubs with at least 400 plate appearances. So he'd be fitting into a... Uh, a lineup with a bunch of guys who profile similarly to him, I would say. And uh, he'd, he'd be hoping to stay as lucky as he's been. And if it's between him and Montgomery, who is considered a throwback pitcher because he can throw six innings deep into a start. He did that like 21 times last year. Yep. We know Dombrowski likes that. And I, think, yes, I think we like that. And he's he's got great command on the corners. He's got four pitches. He likes to mix. And he finished the year on fire with the Rangers, like you said. He's a lefty. He's 31. And he deepens your pitching staff. The Phillies haven't re-deepened their pitching staff, it feels like, yet this year. And that has become kind of a linchpin to their success, I think. They, they started leaning on that. That became a strength and started being listed as one of their strengths this year for good reason. So your biggest problem bringing Montgomery to Philadelphia, I think, is that he might think it's a little too crowded here already. But I do think the Phillies would be better off with Jordan Montgomery over Bellinger. And honestly, with Bellinger, you mentioned Rojas. Doesn't it feel like he might he might be considered movable at that point with Bellinger uh, bringing mm-hmm. him in? So I honestly, again, I wouldn't be turned off with that idea. It's it's just like how many how many young guy young promising guys do we want to replace with a thirty something year old guy? And how long do we expect that to continue to work? And, you know, this is not a situation where we're adding, like, a franchise player. We're adding a, a, what has been considered a low-profile role on the Phillies by a guy who happened to be the MVP, what, like four years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't ignore the the awful years that he had as he was battling injury before going to the Cubs last season. I mean, he was really one of the worst players in baseball before last year. And to your point about the the contact, the soft contact that he was making, uh, his hard hit rate of 31.4% last year was lower than what it was in 2022 and 2021. Now, I don't mind the increase in fly balls over the ground balls. I, I think, you know, it, you hit hitting, hitting fly balls, if you're hitting them for power, you're hitting more home runs, you're hitting more doubles. Uh, I, for a guy like Cody Bellinger, I'm, I'm fine with, with the fly balls, what I'm not fine with is he had a 525 slugging percentage last year, but it, he had an expected slugging percentage of 437. He had a, a WOBA of 370 last year, but an expected WOBA of 331. So the numbers, if you look at those expected numbers and his batted ball data, there's a lot of people who think those numbers are going to come down here in 2024, and that's likely one of the reasons why he hasn't gotten a big money deal just yet. Jordan Montgomery... What are the Phillies like? They like durability. They like guys who can pitch a lot of innings. He has pitched 188 innings or more. Or he's made 30 or more starts each of the last three years. So he checks the durability box. So he's had 180-some innings each of the last three years. His ERA, cumulatively, over the last three years, 3.48. Remarkably consistent. An ERA plus of 121 over the last three years. And 
He's entering his age 31 season, but he's only been a starter for like the last three years. So he only has 755 innings under his belt. He does not have a lot of mileage on his arm. And I mentioned the fact that he was very good in the playoffs uh, last season for for the Rangers. So I, I agree with you guys. I think if you're going after somebody, I think if you're signing one of these guys, it's most likely Jordan Montgomery. Because also the other thing, too, is they did not trust Taiwan Walker or Christopher Sanchez to pitch game four of the National League Championship Series last year. And that really hurt them in, in game four. Not having another starting pitcher that you could trust to go deep, that you could trust to give you six innings, seven innings. I mean, Rob Thompson was was looking to get out of that dugout as quickly as he could when Christopher Sanchez was on the mound. And he wanted no part of Taiwan Walker near the playoffs at all. Can't even understand why he was on the postseason roster. I think that was one of the big mistakes that they made in the NLCS, having Taiwan Walker and, for that sake, um, uh, Michael Lorenzen on the NLCS roster last year. So you get a guy in Montgomery in here. Uh, this is the best starting rotation in baseball. And that is game one through game four, guys, you feel really, really good about putting out there. doesn't mean they're going to be great every time, but you give yourself a phenomenal chance to do that. And you also do give yourself a chance to let Johan Rojas grow into the job. And if that doesn't work out, you make a move at the trade deadline. But if I had to choose one of these two guys, I'm with you guys. I think I, t- I trade for, I think I take Jordan Montgomery. Do we know what he's projected to get money-wise in years? Because I mean that's that's something to factor. Like he's he's looking for his he's looking for his big deal. But how long is that? You talking about for Montgomery? For Montgomery, yes. Um, I'm going to look in the the free MLB trade rumors does a really good job with this. Um, kind of uh, the predictions on on what they what they could be looking at, and I'm pulling it up right now. Jordan Montgomery, they were predicting. Hang on a second, I'm pulling it up. Uh, there's Blake Snell. There's Aaron Nola. Jordan Montgomery, six years, $150 million is what they were predicting for him. Okay. Clearly he wouldn't be getting that no. at, this, at this stage of the offseason. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're right. I mean, that's, that's uh, the Dombrowski trademark, waiting a, waiting a little longer and seeing seeing what's out there. So if you're able to get a little fewer years on that deal that's i don't know it, it certainly has appealed to me but yeah we're not talking about a team that's been linked to too many appealing prospects like this throughout the offseason <laughs> yeah and, and and right now we're that mystery team which we love yeah. right if we can be that mystery team i i i mean i do think there is something to dave dombrowski waiting for an opportunity and again, this is, I'm not saying that this report is real. Again, it is most likely not real. It is most likely the Phillies being used as leverage. Everything Dombrowski has said this offseason has been to convince us all he is very happy with this team as it is and that they're not adding anybody else of consequence. Maybe some, some guys on minor league deals for, for roster flexibility and for depth, and that's just about he it. He has been epically, tragically open about that the entire offseason, yes. <laughs> Oh, I have a question. Chris, am I the only yes. one that has forgotten that continues to forget that Michael Lorenzen was on the Phillies at all? I remember his no hitter. <laughs> He's still out there, by the way. Disappears. Yeah, he disappears. Yeah. Like, it's just like, he's mm-hmm. just like, thanks, folks. That's that's it for me this season, because I, I don't recall him doing anything else. Yeah. No, they they dropped him in from an airplane. 
I think that night in Philadelphia just whoop, just dropped him right in. My man threw a no hitter, and then he was sucked back out of Citizens Bank Park like an alien spacecraft. You know, like that's I'm convinced they just they just dropped him in there for that one game. It was it's one of the weirdest seasons by any Philly ever. And we're gonna be seeing it on highlight reels for years Forever. and years to come when they're <laughs> when they're imploding Citizens Bank Park and the walls are falling down. Part of that montage will be the Michael Lorenzo. Twenty seventy. Everyone will go. Who is that? Yep. And like, yeah, our our gnarled, withered <laughs> hands will raise up. I remember the Michael Lorenzo no-hitter. It was me. And they're like, sure, have some more mush and go to bed. That's right. I must say, I mean, that's that's easily the weirdest no-hitter in Philly's history, right? I'm trying to think. Terry Mulholland was a, turned out to be an established guy here, made all-star no teams. That was the one. But he was a good pitcher I, with the Braves, was, though. But that was the yeah. closest comp I could come up with. It was like, yeah, yeah. They, they had that combined yeah. no-hitter that Papelbon and, and Giles yeah, that was were, weird. Were, they helped throw. I forget who that started that. Count. Did Hamels start that? Yeah, it, Hamels started yeah. that. It was seven. Hamels. Yeah. Uh, you had the, uh, Tommy Green. But he, again, he was a big part of that 93 team. Yeah. But it's, that's close, you know. And then there haven't been a whole lot other than that. You know, you had Rick Wise and Jim Bunning, and those guys obviously were... Um, regular established players with the team. Yeah, just what a bizarre no hitter! What a absolute, what an absolute bizarre no hitter that was last year. <laughs> I can, it's hard to remember. You're right, Liz. It's just very, very forgetful. They and they could still bring him back. Like they need a depth starter. I know they they signed Kyle Allard to kind of be that guy. They could absolutely bring him back on a minor league deal. It doesn't sound like he's again close to getting anything out there on a major league deal. Oh, so only there was um, someone from the Phillies telling us you will not be entertained. Buy any of this. You will not be <laughs> not thrilled. This is all going to be very Michael Lorenzian roster moves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great stuff. Where do I sign? Um, one guy the Phillies won't be getting, Phil Maton. We've talked about him a lot. Looks like he is finalizing a deal with the Tampa Bay Rays. We don't know exactly years or money or anything like that as of this recording. Uh, but he, again, was one of those right-handed relief pitchers that we had been talking a little bit about as somebody to add to the bullpen at a 3.00 ERA last year, 68 appearances for the Astros. Uh, not a hard-throwing guy, but a guy that seemed like was able to be a late-inning guy for a good Astros team. So now the only real right-handed options out there, Ryan Stanek and Jacob Junis, still the only guys. And, of course, still no smoke anywhere about the Phillies adding one of these guys It's either. been absolutely so. phenomenal watching a lower and lower tier of pitcher turn Phillies fans into absolute stare-out-the-window lunatics where it's like i must have this picture or raving I will maniacs disappear. and it i'm went went from blake snell to jacob junis over the course of two yeah. or three months that's quite the fall it's been a journey and, and oh my god yeah and i and we need to be checking in on chris jones uh the absolutely hammered twitter feed because it's 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 uh. getting to a point now where he's you know we're we're going to some stages of grief over Phil Maton that are inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, we talked ourselves into this. Whole, I wrote I wrote about the Phillies. We're looking at hard throwers anymore. They're looking at these these control guys, these guys with tons of spin rates, these guys with lower velocity who can put the ball wherever they want. And it's this new trend. And then like it just wasn't a trend. It was just the names they were linked to at that current yeah. place in time. And now we've all got to move on with our lives. Doing <laughs> right. Anyway, the Phil Maton dream is dead. I just thought I'd pass that along to everybody. Um, one of the things we do expect the Phillies to do is get this contract extension with Zach Wheeler done. And again, I, I think it has to get done. Most people think it has to get done. 
I think it's interesting. We're about to enter Clearwater with pitchers and catchers reporting in about 10 days or so. I think Valentine's Day is the day they report. And uh, Zach Wheeler still has not signed his contract extension. We were in this place with Aaron Nola last year, and it didn't happen. And so I'm curious, Liz, are you getting at all concerned, nervous about the Zach Wheeler contract extension? Or are we still in a good place in terms of the, the timing of this? I think we're in a good place because he still has a year left on his contract and he doesn't have to go anywhere this year if he doesn't want to. <laughs> Actually, he can't go anywhere. He's under contract for this year. And so right. we're in a great place. Like, it, like if they go to spring <laughs> wait, training wait, wait, wait. and we start... It's your, it's your, you've started, you've started <laughs> the importance of the extension is like, all right, we've cornered him, we've trapped him, and he cannot leave the room. That's phase one. Phase two... <laughs> Paperwork. <laughs> we, we find a treat for him to, to get him to sit and lay we down. We have to physically then, trap him, then negotiations yeah. can begin. Oh, you want to leave Philadelphia, huh? Well, well, this door's been welded shut, so you better read these. This baby gate, it, this baby gate is virtually unopenable. I was just about to say that he's once they get to spring training, they will be able to actually physically trap him in the building. Yes, and force him to do uh, to to have negotiations with everybody. Liz, um, is Zach Wheeler like, I'm in not danger? Worried because <laughs> are we are we hurting him? He's in danger for the Phillies organization. <laughs> Phillies organization has malevolent plans. Malevolent plans for Zach Wheeler. Um, like last year at spring training is when we started hearing Aaron Nola is not signing the con on, on extension. He wants more. They want less. There's no way this is getting done. And then it didn't, didn't get done until November. And if that's how it happens again, I'll be fine with that. You know, because he'll still sign back with the Phillies. I'm confident he'll remain with the Phillies. Where else is he going to go? Face, like, face where two. Else where gonna else are you going to go? <laughs> Track him, go? make him aware he has no other options. <laughs> it's like a North Korean, uh, uh, <laughs> what are they called? Uh, uh, What's his take uh, on roster negotiations? Very intense. Listen, I don't know how to explain this, Zach, but it's the, like the movie all the other teams went away. And they're just slowly brainwashing him. Yeah, just show I mean. him a doctored series of images from text messages from other teams and his loved open. ones. Like, oh, just no. saying like, yeah, I don't want Zach around. <laughs> Zach Wheeler? Never heard of him. He that stinks. guy? Is he still in the league? And like, Zach, look how people feel about you. That's not how you'll be treated here in Philadelphia. Listen, there's only one proper way to use artificial intelligence. And it's <laughs> for ex- the exact reason you're talking. I mean, you just say the word. We we're can- reasonable people. Just say the word yeah. and that attack monkey outside this door will be tranquilized. All right? So you just say the word. Put pen to paper. This could, this could go down a number of different ways. <laughs> if there's any if there's any fan base most likely to capture a player or prospective player like a trade target at the deadline to capture him physically and bring him to Philadelphia and offer him up to the organization and be like, we gift you this player. Sign him for us. We have made this happen for you. It's Wheeler's like Dave. Dave, I was happy to come negotiate with you. I'm just a little wonder, a little curious why there's a stern, muscular orderly with a butterfly net standing next to you throughout the entire process. <laughs> and is that a real? I don't know why a bunch of guys with funny hats 
all carried me yeah. on their shoulders like we were at a parade from my house <laughs> in Florida all the way up here. I don't know where he lives. <laughs> I got black bagged while I was, was at a, a farmer's market with my family and brought to a room with Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> Guess I'm signing a deal. <laughs> it's the fanatic wearing a ski mask. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're not worried is what we're saying. I, I'm uh, not so worried because of how important this is. I mean, we talked about Wheeler getting an extension uh, yeah. earlier. I, I guess it was earlier this offseason and the, basically decided that it was so important that whatever he wanted was kind of on the table as far as like keeping him here, knowing that you're not mm-hmm. going to get the best years of his career by the end of, of whatever deal you're giving him. But I, I yeah, I think it's too it's just too much a uh, of an important part about this team's future. It's too stable a situation right now to not take it seriously enough to know that you're going to get something done, even if it's not done this past off season. And as Liz mentioned, the Aaron Nola negotiations kind of prove that just because something doesn't get worked out in spring training, doesn't mean it causes a rift between a uh, player and the team. And it doesn't mean they're not going to work out exactly the kind of deal that they talked about working out anyway. So I think it's totally still possible. I don't think we have any reason to think things have soured between the Phillies and their ace. And I think that the Phillies will consider a, wheeler extension important enough to to uh to get it done if it if it remains as important to them as it is now if the if the season does go by i can see how like his performance obviously is going to impact that and if they kind of find a pathway to another option you know but i guess that's why it's it's we it's in wheeler's best interest to kind of get it done soon as well well and but he can also look at aranola season aranola had a down season i'm just trying to i'm just trying to come at it from both angles here and I mean, as it stands now, Wheeler is very, very important to the organization. But you guys know things can change fast. Guys have rough seasons. Nola didn't always look like he was aware it was a critical moment for him on the mound, you know. And you can't always decide to throw the kind of game you want to throw or that you have to throw. So just letting that thought wriggle in for a minute. um, You know, it does. And also, I don't think the market next year in free agency is not. It's like kind of like this year. It's not as. It's not super delectable, I would say, as far as like pitching. Right. Goes. So that's well, and so he he'd be a hot commodity. Yeah, exactly. Then, next, and I think here. Exactly. And so there's a couple <laughs> with Aaron Nola. <laughs> Aaron Nola, he's a few years younger than Zach. Wheeler, so you know he's 34. I, I would think that you would want to get the extension done before you hit free agency because. Again, yes. injury is more likely for somebody in, in their middle 30s yeah. and as opposed to somebody in, in their early 30s. But that being said, if he does hit free agency, he's a better pitch, and he has the kind of year that we are hoping he's going to have. He, he's going to be more sought after than Aaron Nola was. Uh, there's just no no doubt about it. Yeah. He's 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 a better pitcher than Aaron Nola, and I think, I think it has to get done before the end of spring training. I, I, think, I think if he does hit free agency, I think it's more likely – he walks, then Aaron Nola walked. Also because Aaron Nola was drafted by this team. He grew up with this team. Aaron Nola also seems to be the kind of guy who just kind of wants to go hide in a corner when he's not pitching and then come out and pitch and then go back and be quiet someplace. You know, he's not... I, I think Zach Wheeler is a little bit different. I, I think he really is going to try and get every dollar that he can. And I, I think it'll get done. But I have a little bit more of a level of concern because I do think if it doesn't happen in spring training, they call it off and he plays this season. And then if he hits free agency, I think it's harder for the Phillies to sign him to a free agent contract than it was to sign Aaron Nola to a free agent contract. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I've talked myself into thinking as well. Like, it's important now, so get it done now. It may, you yeah. know, you never know how things are going to change over the course of a full season. Nola really got, I don't want to say lucky, because obviously his skill 
paid off in that regard. But that whole like, oh, he's betting on himself thing, you know, that is that is a bet. That is a hefty bet, and it that's not going to work out for everybody. And it's really it's actually kind of comical that it worked out for Nola given his reputation. But in any case, yeah, I I hope they get it done before spring training. That seems to be in everybody's best interest. All right, last thing here on the episode. Last week we did some position player batting over-unders. I've just got a few here for the pitching staff. There's not as many fun statistics to use for for pitchers, uh, unfortunately, uh, especially like <laughs> you don't do pitcher wins anymore, and that's not a thing. Like, how many wins is Zach Wheeler? Who cares? But, you know, well, about, I think uh, we can look at... Glorp or Shasa or any of the... Um... Yeah, or, or Flibap. <laughs> I like Flibap. That's one of my favorites. Um, Gazortnip is also... <laughs> let's all make up some stats, everyone. Were you, let's make yeah. up some... Were you guys let's making up Let's just pick stats? acronyms and try and make up stats to go with them. <laughs> I think that's, that's good. That's what I like. I, let's do that. Tywan Walker had a 22.5 dad nat last year, which I thought was way more than I thought was going to be the case. Um... All right, just so we'll just do this a few of these. should have been uh, the whole episode, guys. We missed yeah, the train. I've got more. They're in there, but I don't. I think that's enough. Um, Aaron Nola, ERA. That'll be our first over-under. I've set the number, guys, at 3.65. Justin, over or under 3.65 for Aaron Nola? I'll say under. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, yeah, because that, that's... That's starting to get into the uh, fattier range of ERAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm, I think I can see him coming in, even coming in like three and a half. That seems doable. So I'm going to give him the benefit here. Okay. All right. Liz, how about you? Three, six, five for Aranola, over or under? I'm going to say over, probably. That's my feeling on Aranola. Not mm-hmm. that I think that the contract was a mistake, but I've. Right. Learned my lesson after many years of Aranola. I hear Justin saying, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I hear myself thinking, why are you being such an idiot, Justin? Well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's, I just, I'm having so many flashbacks Sorry, I didn't right mean now. to be so harsh. I'm just like. <laughs> huh. That's so, so It's so wild how, like, un- when the contract. I'm like it is, guys. When the contract hasn't been signed yet, everyone is hysterical about getting the contract signed. And then as soon as it's signed, we lose all ability to believe in the player. It's a very healthy way to go about following yeah. sports. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I think... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely right. I, I think I agree with Liz, though. I think it will be over, but I don't think it's going to be a lot over. I think he'll probably be in the three sevens or something like that. I don't think it'll be like last year where he was in the fours for, for a lot of the season. Um I feel like, you know, a lot of the changes he made at the end of last season, I do think that they will that they will hold. And last year, you know, everything went wrong that could have gone wrong. He really did, I think, struggle with the pitch clock. I don't think that'll be – I think he figured some of that out uh, towards the end of the season last year and in the postseason. Last year's playoffs really helped me to feel better about bringing him back. I was not – by the time the end of the season rolled around, I was dead set against bringing him back. But the playoffs, it seemed to, like, click. It's like, okay, he figured out what was going wrong. He fixed it. And if he's if he's fixed it, then – you want him back. And so I feel like, you know, seven more years, I sure hope Frust- he fixed it. Frustrating um, pitchers finish with 350 ERAs all the time, by the way. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. it's going to change who he is, even in my best case scenario. Like the whole reason he's frustrating is because he's supposed to have a 280 ERA, but he's got a 350. It's because of those moments where you're like, well, it didn't yeah. happen. Crad. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, uh, Zach Wheeler's strikeouts. Uh, Liz, I've got the number at 195 for Zach Wheeler's strikeouts. He's been kind of all over the place. He had a 200 strikeout season uh, last year, but he was injured the year before, so it was like a 140 or something like that. He's been around 170. Where do you have him? I'll go over on this. I'll go over 195. I have a good feeling. It's his walk year. I think he's if uh, if he doesn't get the contract signed, he's going to blow everyone away and make life yeah. difficult for the Phillies. That's fine. That's fine. Justin? Yeah, it's tough not to say over, honestly, looking at his numbers. When he gets the opportunity to pitch and he's not hampered by, like you said, um, injury issues or he's not missing time for any reason, he, he could, seems like he can throw 200 strikeouts pretty consistently uh, at, the, at this phase of his career. So, yeah, I, I'll go over. Yeah, I think he's going to lead the league in strikeouts this year. Um, you know, I think uh, he's he showed last year he can he can be healthy. Uh, the stuff is still there. It, it's he he I think he lost a mile an hour last year, but still was really dominant. So it feels like to me he's learning how to pitch, even if his fastball isn't ninety eight. Yeah, his necessarily his two highest out. strikeout total seasons have come with the Phillies, like since he's come yeah. to the Phillies, and he was yeah. not with the Phillies far more than he was with them. Uh, at this point in his career. So, yeah, that's uh, – clearly he's comfortable. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I, please sign him. Uh, Ranger Suarez starts, Justin. I've got the number at 24. I was surprised last year. He had 29 starts last year. It <laughs> felt like he – no, that was in 22. I'm sorry. In 22, 2022 he had – no, it was last year. 29 starts in 2022, 21 uh, in, uh, in the 2022 season. 29 in 2023. I'll get this right. 29 in 2023, 21 in 2022. So 24 starts for this year is where I've got the number, Justin. Um, Yeah, I'll go over, uh, a little over. I think he'll be more of a presence, and I think he's going to be healthy, and I think it'll be a good chance for him to really build up some momentum. Um, I think yeah, last year, 29 sounded high. Even 22 sounds like a bunch, given like he was a late yeah. arrival to the season. And kind of had to, like, get his head on straight, too. I think he had a start or two that was just kind of like, okay, he's not quite back yet, but, you know, he'll get there. There were a few. It was, like, his first month back. Yeah, okay. So it was even, yeah, it was even longer than that. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, but I feel like they're going to, you know, he's part of the reason we keep saying they have the pitching staff that they have. So, yeah, I think they're going to – I think he's going to have a good season. I think he's going to be consistent, and I think he's going to see more more starts because of it. Okay, and let me just – let me just – fix this because I've I've mangled this badly. Ranger Suarez made 22 starts last year. So that sounds right. He missed about 10 starts last season. Mm-hmm. It was in 2022 that he made 29 starts. Okay? So 22 last season, 29 the World Series season the year before. So Liz, I've set the number at 24. I think Liz's laptop fell. She disappeared. Oh. And she kind of made was making like a well. That's su- that's face. suboptimal. <laughs> yeah, she went like, and then okay, it, like disappeared. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, oh, for, no, there here she, she comes back. Hey, everybody! What happened there? I it said I had no internet connection, so I thought, you know what? I'll I'll go right back in. 
<laughs> All right. Well, glad you're back. Um, I was uh, I, I was looking at a, a, a different screen, so I didn't see that you had gone away. So I don't know how much of what I was just saying that you heard, but I was I was amending um, my error from a second ago. Uh, just to clear up, Ranger Suarez made 22 starts last year, and he made 29 starts the year before. So he did miss 10 starts last season. So that's why I've set the number at 24 starts for Ranger Suarez this year, over or under. Um, I'll say over. I heard everything that Justin said, and I totally agree with that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with over. Okay. I still can't believe he Agreeing made 29 starts that that last year. you the idiot, Liz? It does. <laughs> I'll confirm that. I'll stand by it. <laughs> mm, interesting twist. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's, uh, we're, we're throwing some curveballs at folks what a clever here. Thing that's to good point stuff. Out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me go to let me go to a reliever here to kind of finish up the over unders for the pitchers here. Let's go, Jose Alvarado. Uh, Liz, how many saves do you think Jose Alvarado will get? I've got the over under number at twelve for him. Oh, I think that's I think it's over if he could stay healthy. I mean, if if he'd stayed healthy, that's who the Phillies wanted to close. I think all year. So I'm definitely, well, Kimbrel, I definitely think it'll be more Kimbrel than that. in that spot, but without mm-hmm. Kimbrel around, he might be, he might, he might see more of that spot. Cause if, if we're talking about like the blank spot on the rotation or in the pitching staff getting filled by Jordan Montgomery, he's not filling that role. And then whoever is left among the relievers is not probably not going to be at least brought in to fill the role of like high profile closer, Big leverage situations if you're talking about Jacob Junis or who's the other one? Oh, it is Montgomery. It's Montgomery. Wait, who, who's uh, the Ryan other? Stanek. Ryan Stanek. That's who it was. That yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, it's probably going to be over. I would say because he got he had ten last year, and that was with Kimbrel doing most of the closing. Yeah, I think he has a shot, mm-hmm. a better shot at, at getting more than twelve. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's probably going to be twelve. But again, yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah. Staying healthy is a big key. Uh, 10, of course, is career high last year, but he probably should get more save opportunities. I'll tell you, a guy who's going to be really key in that bullpen, and we don't talk about him much at all. We actually rarely mention his name. Gregory Soto, has a ch- he has the ability to be a dominant late-inning relief pitcher. He was with Detroit for a couple of different seasons. He was He was just so wildly inconsistent last year. If if they can get a good season out of Gregory Soto, that could that could mean a world of difference to that bullpen. But by the end of the season, you just could not trust that guy in a high leverage situation. There would be starts where he'd come out throwing strikes and nobody could touch him. But he just you could not trust that guy to throw strikes. So that's a big part of this bullpen puzzle that we have no idea how it's all going to work out this year. He's a big key to this team. Yeah, I don't say Gregory Soto's name because it makes me uncomfortable because I have never yes. been comfortable when Gregory Soto was pitching. <laughs> I, and it's yeah. not always, it not always feels fair. Cause you're right. You know, sometimes it's totally fine, but he is one of those guys who started to come in from the bullpen and it was just not, you did not feel okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Especially, especially in the playoffs. I mean, just having Gregory Soto come into a playoff game was, was, 
just terrifying. Um, and again, he, he would come in and he had a couple spots in the, in the postseason where he was like blowing guys away. But um, that's the thing about bullpen guys is they're just they're so weird. Greg Rossetto could absolutely have a sub two ERA this year. I mean, it just could could absolutely totally happen. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, all right. Well, um, Liz's internet dropped out again, uh, so we'll hope that she hops back on here uh, before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, but my show sheet is has reached the end, so I've got nothing left. So we'll move on to uh, to final thoughts and hope that Liz is able to hop in uh, before the final thoughts portion of the podcast is over. So, Justin, any final thoughts? Giving people a peek behind the curtain here about how meticulously this show is run now <laughs> i gotta tell you this this inaugural video uh presentation of the podcast just <clears throat> well, just well i have great. nothing left to say let's just shut it down <laughs> uh my final thought would be uh i got in the mail today my cut co- well not today yesterday my copy of the baseball prospectus annual 2024 annual beautiful in its uh orange orangish hues with adley rushman on the cover yeah Uh, It's a sign that spring training is right around the corner when this arrives, and I would encourage any baseball fans listening to order it through Baseball Prospectus. Uh, It is always, always worth the purchase. It's a great primer for every season, essays on every team, player comments on every player. I wrote the uh, essay on the Atlanta Braves. And that was interesting. Ah, I'll bet. Yeah. I talked to, I I had Craig Goldstein on a a couple of weeks ago and he said that he had given you the Braves and that that was an interesting selection. Yep. So I had fun doing that. I don't know if Braves fans will have fun reading it, but Phillies fans probably will. Uh, And I also wrote the uh, Cardinals player comments uh, as well. So a lot of great writers, a lot of great writing, a lot of great baseball. Uh, So please, yeah, order your copy of the Baseball Prospectus annual for the 2024 season. And they just go to baseballprospectus.com Correct. to do the that. The place you I go to do that, that is Baseball Prospectus, yes. Baseballprospectus.com. So, I mean, that should go without saying, but... Nope, I should say it. Why not I say it? I should definitely Why say not it. say yeah. it, you know? <laughs> Why not say it? See, I'm helping to sell. I'm helping to sell things, so... Um, all right, everybody. Well, look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hitting Season. Uh, my thanks to Justin and to Liz, uh, my Sunday night partners here on this fine podcast. I do want to encourage everybody to head on over to our Hitting Season Patreon. We've got some bonus podcasts over there. Justin does with uh, Dr. Trevor Strunk called The Dirty Inning. And, of course, uh, the other one he does with Chris Jones called Absolutely Hammered. Great podcast that you're absolutely going to want to check out uh, if you haven't done so already. And I want to also send you over to our BillyPen.com landing page it's billyben.com slash hit and season uh that's where you can find the articles that justin and i write to uh go as companion pieces for these podcasts and uh sometimes we go a little off the rails uh, away from the podcast and just do our own thing on those uh, articles as well so again billypen.com slash hit and season you want to bookmark that page as well thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on hit and season